What's good? What's good? Thanks for taking a little bit of time out of your busy schedule to hang out and ball about the South with C. Wood. Ball about the South is that podcast where we talk sports and we do it with authentic Southern flavor. My name is Kerry Wood. Just call me C. Wood for short. And you can find me at, at C. Wood on sports on Twitter and IG. And no need of wasting any time. Let's just get into it. What a weekend of football. Another fully loaded football weekend, actually. That's kind of what I call them. We've got the NFL. We've got college football both rolling at the same time. We've got, I mean, you know, still got a long season to go, but it goes so fast. And you sit there and think about it. We're almost, we're done with September. We're By the time we kick off um, Saturday football games in college, we're going to be into October. It's just crazy how fast the things, you know, the season goes by. And so that's why, you know, I think we just have to cherish them and, and just really enjoy them as, as much as we possibly can. Because we'll, we'll look up, it'll be December, and we'll be in, at championship week and all of that. So, yeah, it was another fully loaded football weekend. Week four of the college football season, week three in the NFL and, you know, we're going to break it down as much as we possibly can. You know how we do it here. We do it all about the South, but we ball about the South. <laughs> it's SEC. We do it with the HBCUs. We do it with the NFL, especially the NFC and AFC South. And we do a little bit of the rest in between. That's, that's kind of how we do it here. So, anyway, this is the fifth episode. And as you probably noticed, the name of the of this episode is Razorbacks on the Rise. And obviously there's a good reason for me to call this show that one. The Arkansas Razorbacks are absolutely on the rise. And they have basically, forget the Texas two-step, they have accomplished the Texas three-step as they beat Rice early in the season, then they beat the Texas Longhorns, and now their latest victim out of the state of Texas was the Texas A&M Aggies. As they beat the Aggies 20 to 10, you kind of can look at it as an upset with Arkansas being ranked 16th in the country at that time. Obviously, in the you know well, in A&M being number seven in the country, I don't think obviously you don't really look at it being an upset from that point of view because both teams being ranked, there's not too much difference between the seventh ranked team and the 16th ranked team. However, when you look at it from a standpoint of what everyone thought that the A&M Aggies would be, what everyone expected from them, and then you kind of contrast that to what everyone kind of expected from Arkansas, it's a huge upset. I mean, it it just is. Because right now, if you're Texas A&M, you've got to be wondering what's going on. I mean, what is going on at quarterback uh, what is going on with our skill players? Our defense is holding up pretty good. I mean, our defense looks like, you know, a defense that can get us to Atlanta. Our defense looks like a defense that can possibly get us to the playoff. But right now, our offense looks like an offense is going to lose three or four games. That's That's just bottom line right now. So you really have to wonder what's going on there, but Speaking of the Arkansas Razorbacks, I mean, you, you just can't under understate what 
the job that Sam Pittman has done with that program in just two sh- in just two short seasons. Really, I think if you really take a, if you really look at it, it's been less than two seasons because you're not talking about you're only talking about one spring practice because there was no spring practice last season before COVID, and then he had an abbreviated fall camp, and uh, you know, and now you're into 2021. And so, basically, in my opinion, you're talking about maybe a year and a half. And this dude has changed the complete landscape of that program from what we saw under Chad Morris. This is a team two seasons ago in the SEC. They did not win a conference game. They won three last season. That was a, you know, we thought that was a giant leap. At least I did. I thought that was a giant leap, and I thought that Sam Pittman absolutely deserved Coach of the Year um, recognition for that. And obviously, this season, he is the – I mean, there is no one in the stratosphere with this dude at the moment. 4-0 wins over – you know, at the time, two top 15 teams. We looked at Texas. They were a top 15 team at the time. Texas A&M, a top 10 team at the time, had been top five. What they've done is incredible. And you look at, you know, Jerry Jones, what a season this dude is having all of a sudden. You know, he has his Cowboys 2-1, and and they're just a few seconds away from being 3-0. I mean, their only loss was to Tom Brady and defending Super Bowl champs with a field goal at the gun. You know, they're coming off of blowing out uh, the Philadelphia Eagles the other night on Monday Night Football, and now he's looking up and his alma mater is 4-0. and So let's, you know, let's just break down that game, what we saw in that A&M game where Arkansas, again, won that game 20-10. to You know, I, I'm, it, it was a close game, obviously, but the, I don't think the score really reflects on how Arkansas kind of dominated the game. You know, K.J. Jefferson, not great numbers or anything like that. 7 of 15, uh, 212 yards passing. He had two, uh, did have two touchdowns. But, again, he showed what he could do with his feet. He showed uh, basically he had one receiver, Traylon Burks, who had six of the receptions, six of the seven receptions in that football game came from Traylon Burks. Okay. <laughs> Actually, I'm sure – well – the backup uh, came in, I'm sure, through a couple of the Burks as well. But uh, not a whole lot of offense as far as that go. but they made some big plays when they had to make them. And K.J. Jefferson is showing to be you know, one of those dual-threat guys that is just going to cause defenses a lot of problems. You know, And uh, they had just enough of a running game. Uh, they, had, uh, they got 82 yards from Traylon Smith, their running back, number 22. Just really, you know, just a balanced attack by the Razorbacks. And the the mainstay, though, the main thing was that defense. The defense has been crazy. We saw that last season. We saw how they get after you. Uh, Really, um, uh, their intensity is hard to match it, I think. Uh, A&M certainly did not match it there in Dallas the other day. And, you know, Arkansas, man, you just have to really – give it to them. You really have to tip your hat to them. And all of a sudden, not only do they look like they're the team that plays harder when they play you, now all of a sudden, you know what? I mean, 
I would say this team looks more talented maybe than we gave them credit for, or maybe that we maybe that we thought they were coming into the season. At least from at least from my perspective. And so that is a dangerous proposition. We're talking about this team that Sam Pittman has, you know, just kind of like they'll run through a brick wall for this dude. And now you're seeing, okay, you know what, that dude's a little bit you know, he's got a little more skill on him than I thought. That dude's catching some, you know, really nice passes. This dude's a little bit faster than I thought he was. You know, uh, we knew that defense was pretty good. But we're starting to see some skill out of this offense. And, and while the numbers aren't great, I mean, they, 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 you know, it was plenty enough for them to get this win. So, I, I tell you, I, I don't know. Arkansas, they're sitting 4-0. You wonder what the future is for this team. They're ranked eighth in the country right now. And with the look at here, <laughs> they get the Georgia Bulldogs coming up this Saturday, which sets up, by the way, an incredible Saturday of football. And, and really, to be honest with you, two Saturdays of football in the SEC. When you sit there and think about this Arkansas team coming out at 11 a.m., 12 a.m. if you're on the East Coast, against Georgia and there in Athens between the hedges. You know, that game's right out of Sports Center. Not Sports Center, uh, college game day rather. Soon as Lee Corso does his headgear thing, they're gonna take you into uh Sanford Stadium for that game, which is obviously must see right now. Then you get out of that game, two thirty, <laughs> you got a little game, old miss traveling to Tuscaloosa to face Alabama, the number one ranked team in the country. Then after that, you're talking about Florida, the Gators traveling to Kentucky, huge Eastern uh, Division contest. That game obviously is going to set the stage for who could be uh, the second-place team behind Georgia. Or maybe, who knows, maybe that team, maybe the winner of that game can find a way to beat Georgia. Who knows at this point? And then the nightcap, you got the Auburn Tigers at 8 o'clock Central, 9 o'clock Eastern Time, late kick there in Baton Rouge, traveling to face the Bayou Bengals of LSU. Just a crazy day. And then you think about next weekend, you think about Auburn, Georgia. You think about Alabama going to College Station to play Texas a and I mean, you're talking about two crazy weekends of, co- of college football in the SEC. And right now, Arkansas is right in the middle of all of it. So what can they do against Georgia? I'm not sure. I, you know, I, <laughs> I was kind of looking at this game as best I could. Obviously, we know what Georgia brings to the table. The running game, we know that uh, what they've had going on at quarterback, JT Daniels. And, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think Arkansas can kind of get with them. The game being at Georgia obviously gives Georgia uh, an advantage. We'll get into that game a little bit later in the show, but that is going to be – it really could be a crazy football game. But, yeah, we're going to move on. But Arkansas Razorbacks sitting 4-0, man. Yeah, the Razorbacks <laughs> are back. How about that? The Razorbacks are on the rise. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know if anyone could have predicted it to this point. I don't know if, you know, predicted them to be 4-0 at this point. I don't think anyone would have told you that would have happened. So that's what we had going on in the SEC. We're going to do, you know how we do it. If you've listened to my first few shows, we're going to do the game balls, the SEC, the NFL, the HBCUs. We're going to do all of that. We'll do it a little bit later on. Let's get into the NFL. We have some really juicy matchups there. 
We'll talk some more SEC as we get later into the show. My next segment with getting to college football, we'll talk some of the other matchups that we saw. Uh, our, you know, some crazy things going on there at Auburn. We're going to get into that. Uh, Kentucky, slim victory over uh, South Carolina. We'll get into that game just a little bit. And LSU narrowly beating the Mississippi State Bulldogs. We'll kind of briefly talk about those uh, few games and a little bit, you know, a little bit more and also the HBCUs in my next segment. But right now, let's get back into the NFL. Uh, Basically, the Tennessee Titans and the Indianapolis Colts was the biggest game uh, in this part of the uh, country. We're talking about the AFC battle, AFC South battle between the two teams that look to be you know, the the head and shoulders above the Jacksonville Jaguars and Houston Texans. I don't think there's any question about that. And the Tennessee Titans get round one, 25-16 victory over the Indianapolis Colts. So you sit there and look at Tennessee right now. They've got a leg up in a couple different ways on the Colts. First of all, they've won a head-to-head matchup against them, okay? Second of all, and maybe more importantly at this point, the Colts are sitting there 0-3. And if you sat there and looked at that football game and you saw Carson Wentz, the Carson Wentz that I saw Sunday did not look good. He looked a little bit gimpy, especially early in the game. He did not look like the Carson Wentz that we saw the first weekend and the second weekend where he was, you know, he was kind of bouncing around the pocket. He was kind of bouncing out of the pocket and making plays with his legs and all of that. We didn't see that Sunday, and we know that he is having the problems uh, with injuries right now. So you have to wonder just how that's going to go, you know, in the future for the Colts. And they're already behind the eight ball, being 0-3. So it's not looking good. And that's the team that I picked to win the division. Again, I thought it would, re- would be really close. I thought both those teams, the Titans and the Colts, would each win around 11, maybe 12 games. But I thought the Colts would kind of find a way to, you know, eke out the, eke out the uh, division, but both teams would make the playoffs. Well, it's not looking that way right now. A long season to go, but being 0-3 and now you're down, you know, one in the division. So uh, not a good start for the Colts. But if you look at the Titans, it was an okay performance. You know, obviously – if you can if you can beat the Colts, I mean that's that's huge for the Titans. They had lost eight of their last nine before Sunday in Nashville to Indianapolis, which was a stat that I just could not believe. I knew that Indianapolis had had a lot of success there, but when I saw that, I was like, man, eight of nine. That's in that's in Nashville. That's not I'm not talking about eight of nine overall or you know in Indianapolis and Nashville. That was just in Nashville. So. That part was huge for Tennessee. They had three turnovers though in that football game. You had one, you had one fumble. You had two picks by um, Ryan Tannehill. Uh, fortunately for them, they didn't come back to hunt, and then that's the best thing that you can say about it. But uh, the two things, you know, there are a few things that came out of that game for the Titans. You lose both your uh, top wide receivers. AJ Brown goes down to a hamstring injury. Julio Jones, he ended up leaving the game there in the third, uh, around the third quarter, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, now we're seeing that it's, it's a kind of an undisclosed leg injury. 
and not not a whole lot of information out there on it, but he's questionable for this game, uh, this weekend's game in New York against the Jets. So, and actually, you know, A.J. Brown didn't play at all Sunday. He he did not dress out. So now you're down both of you uh, top you know, top two receivers. You're not sure about Julio on Sunday. I guess the good news of it, <laughs> the good, the, you know, the good news about it is you're playing the Jets. Okay. Uh, you know, so maybe you don't need Julio. Maybe you don't need AJ Brown in that game against a team that's given up 51 points in the last two games and scored six. Okay. <laughs> they got beat 26 to nothing. Uh, this past Sunday to to Denver, and the Jets lost twenty five to six to the Patriots the weekend before that. So, and then you know Zach Wilson is throwing the ball all over the place. He's throwing, you know, he, you know I, I watched some of that game. He had a couple good drives there that they did not finish. They they should have had some points there, but they you know it was a couple drives that they didn't finish. But again, he's still throwing the ball into traffic. So, you know, you would think that the Titans would be able to get a couple turnovers off of him um, coming up Sunday and find a, win, uh, find a way to win that football game. You would think that they would. Um, you know, the only thing about the Jets, I will say, is that I, I, I think their defense looks pretty good. They were able to, in my opinion, hold down with what could be a pretty decent Denver offense. I mean, obviously, Teddy Bridgewater, you don't know about you know him throwing the ball downfield and all of that, but they've got some pretty good receivers, and they've got Melvin Melvin Gordon at the running back position. So they've got you know they have some solid skill players. So the Jets were able to hold them in check. So if you're the Titans going up there Sunday, you don't have AJ Brown, you may not have Julio Jones. Uh, you're going to have to lean on a couple of your, uh, other receivers. Uh, one was Westbrook Bikini. He did have a touchdown. He had 53 yards uh, on four receptions. Uh, Chester Rogers had a touchdown. He only had one reception. That was the only catch that he had for the game. So you're going to have to rely on guys like that to make plays for you on the outside. And, of course, you, you, I would assume that you would you know, try to pound things out with Derrick Henry in the run game to um, try to get the Tennessee Titans to 3-1. and one. They're 2-1 right now. Again, they have a leg up in the division. So, again, if you're going to have these two injuries to, you know, to your top two receivers, I guess this is a good time to have it. But, uh, again, in, in, like I say, any time you can get a win over the Colts, I think it's a good thing. And, uh, yeah, we'll see how things go forward. Uh, looking at other games in that division, the Jacksonville Jaguars, what a crazy game that was, 109-yard kickoff return. Not a kickoff return, I'm sorry, 109-yard kick six. Kind of, you know, bringing memories back of the, the Iron Bowl in 2013 where Chris Davis took that thing back against Alabama and just broke the hearts of, of Bama fans everywhere. Um, yeah, not quite the, the impact of that kick six, but still 109 yards. It ended up being the longest return, the longest play ever in NFL history. And it was coming off of what was the longest field goal attempt in NFL history, 68 yards. <laughs> just, I mean, just insane stuff. And then leave it to the Jacksonville Jaguars to score a touchdown like that. And then you, you've got Gus Johnson, the, the best, one of the best in the business, or at least the most excitable voice in the, in the business, calling that play, and they missed the extra point. 
Only the Jacksonville Jaguars could do that. Only. And, you know, they go into the half leading that football game against the Cardinals, but the Cardinals, uh, they get a pick six there from uh, Trevor Lawrence. And Kyler Murray continues playing his butt off. And the Arizona Cardinals are now 2-0 against the AFC South. They beat the Tennessee Titans in game one of the season. And now uh, this past Sunday, they beat the Jaguars. Jaguars, tough start for the Jags. Really exciting football game from that standpoint. But Trevor Lawrence still still kind of trying to get acclimated to everything as he goes through his rookie season. Uh, they They ran the football well, though. I mean, James Robinson is still uh, looking like one of the better running backs in the NFL right now. And Jacksonville was able to get the running game going and able to kind of stay in that game despite uh, the turnovers and uh, all the other things that went along with it. But you know, it, was, it was still a loss. And, of course, the Texans uh, in Thursday night football lost to the Carolina Panthers. The Panthers, another team that we – We've got to start talking about a little bit more. They are 3-0. and Sam Darnold, 304 yards passing in that football game. Only thing about it, Christian McCaffrey went out of that game in the second quarter with hamstring issues. That is not a good thing for the Carolina Panthers going forward. But they right now have the top-rated defense in the league. So, uh, you know, we'll see how they can make it. Uh, not really sure the status of uh, – McCaffrey going forward here. Obviously, hamstring is a you know hard injury to kind of you know it's it's hard to predict what the deal is going to be. It's hard to come back from it really quick until you know it's it's hard to really say what the, the injury is doing until he kind of gets out and plays on it. So uh, we'll see how that rolls. But you know, Panthers win that game. They go to three and zero. They are rolling. The Atlanta Falcons, what a win that was for them uh, in the, I was about to call it the Meadowlands, but they're in New York against the Giants. Uh, They win the game 17-14, the last second field goal. Um, Yeah, so just good stuff going on in the NFL all around. Like I say, a really fantastic weekend. Had some upsets there in college football. Clemson went down. Uh, Like I said, we're going to get into this Auburn thing. Auburn wins the football game, kind of. <laughs> but the uh, wide receivers coach gets fired. Bo Nix gets benched for T.J. Finley. We're going to get into Auburn. We're going to get in a little bit more into the SEC. We're going to get into the HBCUs right after this. We're going to take a break right quick. We'll be right back with that when Ball About the South continues.
All right, y'all, we're back. Ball about South. Uh, episode 5 moves on, and uh, we're going to get into a little bit more college football here in the second segment. And we saw several upsets in the top 25, the AP top 25, that is. And this thing is kind of, you know, we got a long way to go. We're only four weeks in, but it's, in some ways it's kind of starting to shape out just a little bit with some of the teams that, you know, other than the SEC or maybe other than the Big Ten that can kind of set themselves up for a playoff run, I think. And then there are a couple teams that are kind of playing themselves out of it as well. I think you look at, obviously, you have to start with Clemson losing their second game of the season, losing to NC State the other day. And we talked about that game uh, in my preview of the season in my first episode and we talked about Clemson, maybe, you know, where could they lose a football game? And we kind of identified NC State as that football team that, you know, that I thought could beat them out of the ACC. That came to fruition the other day. But with the way Clemson has played, you know, with the game against Georgia where, where they only scored three points and then they've struggled ever since, it's really not a big shock that they were, they went to Raleigh and lost that football game now. But still the same, (laughs) we're looking at Clemson losing twice already. They're ranked now number 25 in the country. It doesn't really matter about your ranking as much when you talk about the college football playoff, but two losses in itself is pretty much going to probably eliminate them. I I can't, you know, I can't see it. There's only been one team, um, the LSU Tigers 2007, that – and that wasn't the college football playoff. Of course, that was the BCS championship game. And they were able to get in that season. Other than that, there's no, there's never been a two-loss team that's been able to get into any type of, you know, the playoff, BCS national championship game, or anything like that. And then you look at Clemson's schedule. I mean, the ACC is a mess right now. Not only did Clemson lose Saturdays, out of the top 25, North Carolina, which was supposed to be. They were supposed to be the team that knocked off Clemson, possibly. They were supposed to be the team that kind of took over, you know, Sam Howell was supposed to, you know, the quarterback there for the Tar Heels. He was supposed to win the Heisman Trophy. He was supposed to lead the Tar Heels, maybe to the college football playoffs, to the ACC championship over Clemson and North Carolina's, you know, Nowhere near that, of course. So uh, we saw not only is the ACC a mess right now, the Big Ten, I'm sorry, the Big 12 is a mess. Big Ten is in good shape. I mean, you have Michigan that's still undefeated, although they had a really tough time against Rutgers winning that game 20-13, to but Michigan right now still undefeated. Iowa, they had a tough time with Colorado State as well, but they're still undefeated, and you look up, you talk about Penn State, they're undefeated. So they have three teams in addition to Ohio State that are still in position where they could possibly, um, if they've kind of went out or at least, you know, don't lose more than one game and they're, you know, they're able to win the Big Ten Championship, they should be in pretty good shape to get into the playoffs. Look at Notre Dame. Notre Dame made a big-time statement over the weekend uh, beating Wisconsin. Now, that was another Big Ten team that they beat. 
but they were able to beat Wisconsin. They did it in an impressive fashion, 41-13. The Irish right now, I'm telling you right now, I mean, they would be more than likely one of the four teams in. I think that if you have to look at it right now, obviously Alabama and Georgia would be in. And I think, well, I think right now for me, I would have Alabama, Georgia. I would have uh, Oregon. And I have Notre Dame. That would be my four teams right now. I mean, I think I would have Notre Dame above. Well, you know, well, I can't forget about Iowa. Iowa's still there, but I don't know if I, you know, can't say Iowa's beaten a team this ranked like Wisconsin just yet. Yeah, they beat Iowa State, okay. But uh, I, 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 I don't know. I, I still have to. I still think I'd have to go with Notre Dame over them right now. I just really do. I mean, they have Iowa State. They beat Indiana first game of the season, and they dominated that game thirty-four to six. But uh, I don't know. It, it would be a, it would be really close between Iowa and Notre Dame right now for that fourth spot. I think the top three spots are sealed shut right now. But again, we've got a long way to go. Obviously, this thing is going to be, you know, there's going to be some twists and turns before we get to November and start, you know, with the committee doing their weekly uh, observations or their weekly predictions of who's going to be the top four and all that. So, yeah. But again, you know, a lot of shakeup going on right now. And we've got some teams trying to identify themselves right now. And then you got some teams kind of sliding on to sliding out into the sea <laughs> so to speak um you know getting back into the SEC obviously the big games this weekend I already kind of touched on them let's kind of go back and look at what we saw last weekend LSU I think the LSU game at Mississippi State really sticks out LSU finding a way to win that football game um they in a lot of ways LSU kind of dominated that game. You would think, you know, just looking at that game, you would say, okay, LSU has kind of dominated this thing, but you kind of look up and it's like, how did how did Mississippi State get that game to be 28 to 25? <laughs> I mean, you know, Mississippi State goes up uh, 28 to 7 in that football game. Or twenty eight to ten rather. And I'm thinking it's it's lights out. And then all of a sudden this offense from Mississippi State, the air rate, it just kinda of starts to click. And now I don't know if it's you know, the LSU took their foot off the pedal or, you know, the gas pedal or whatever it is. But Will Rogers, you know, forty seven or sixty two, three hundred and seventy one yards, he started going off. Got a couple touchdowns there late in the fourth quarter, and all of a sudden it was a game, and they could have gotten that onside kick. I mean, hey, <laughs> unable they were unable to do so, and LSU was able to finish the game off 28-25. to And now LSU gets ready to host Auburn. Uh, very interesting game, though, there in Starkville, man. You know, you have to sit there and think about that air raid offense with Mike Leach you know, we've talked about it just a little bit here. Will that thing work in the SEC? I don't think it's going to work with it just being like that. Will Rogers throwing the ball 62 times, that's not going to work. It, it just isn't. You've got to have some balance somewhere. 
You've got to be able to run the football. You've got to be able to not just run it. You've got to be able to kind of run it between the tackles. You've got to have some kind of power to that football, you know, to your attack. And and Mississippi State just doesn't have it right now. They're going to run into some even tougher games here going forward. They've got Alabama in a couple weeks. So, um, you know, we'll see how things roll. But, you know, know, I, I just don't see this thing, this air raid offense working with Mike Leach. And we've talked about that before. Um, you know, kind of going through some of the other games of the weekend. Now, Tennessee started out really well against Florida. We looked up as 14-14 deep into the second quarter. <laughs> they didn't score again. Florida looking pretty good. I mean, Florida could s- still has everything in front of them. They still control their own destiny. I mean, I know it's maybe a little early to kind of start talking that way. But it comes down to this. You know, if Florida handles their business in the Eastern Division, starting this weekend with Kentucky, and then going through Georgia and the Missouris and all that. But, of course, especially Georgia, it, you know, the, the loss to Alabama is not going to hurt them. They'll be right back in Atlanta, and they'll still have a shot to get to the SEC, to uh, get to the playoff. So, you know, everything's still in front of Florida. So they came out. They really impressed in the second half. We ended up winning that game 38-14. to uh, Kentucky beat South Carolina 16-10. to We just touched on Kentucky a little bit. We'll see what they're able to do Saturday evening as the Gators come calling up there in Lexington. That is going to be an electric atmosphere. Now, they've only won that game once in the last 26 meetings. <laughs> One time. In the last 26 times, it's Kentucky won. So uh, they it would be a really good time for them to win their second group because obviously Kentucky's sitting there undefeated, 4-0. Everything's in front of them as well. Um, you know, so those games, you know, Alabama, you know, they had a tune-up game against old uh, Southern Miss as they get ready for Ole Miss next week, Ole Miss off. You know, Lane Kiffin getting a week to kind of dial some stuff up offensively against that uh, Alabama defense, which still has some holes in it, still has some, um, you know, kind of talked about that defense for Alabama last week against after the game against Florida. I think that, you know, I see a lot of – still see some indecisiveness, especially, you know, you talk about quarterbacks that, uh, you know, dual threat. You know, making, you know, kind of the play action, the fakes, the, the the RPOs, you know, you're seeing guys not knowing exactly where to line up and things of that nature. Uh, obviously, they're going to have to get that fixed before Saturday. Uh, I don't know if you can fix it this quick, but, uh, you know, I, I think that's the problem that we're seeing here. I, a lot of people, you know, blaming the defensive coordinator. Obviously, it's his responsibility. But I think what you're seeing is, you know, I think you're seeing some people playing, you know, call some really good ball. I think you're seeing coaches like Dan Mullen calling, you know, really good plays that are getting these guys off guard. They're knowing what to do against Alabama right now, and they're kind of exposing some of those, you know, Henry Toll, the linebacker that transferred in out of Tennessee. He's a guy that's looked lost against, you know, when he's played tight ends, he's gotten beat several times. Uh, You see some of the guys in the secondary that have not made plays when they've been available for them. You've seen the defensive front have some issues as well. So, you know, I, I think it's, I don't think it's talent. I don't think it's, you know, 
necessarily bad coaching. I just think people are scheming against them really well. And so we'll see how how things go Saturday afternoon against the, the Rebels. That is going to be interesting to say the least. Cannot wait to see that game go down at 2.30 on CBS. Um, so, you know, we've kind of gone through most of the games here that took place. Uh, Missouri, that's the only, you know, really out-of-conference game. They go up to – well, there were two out-of-conference games. Missouri goes to Boston College and loses in overtime. That was a heartbreaking loss, 41-34. So, uh, Boston College, that's, a, you know, a little bit of a feather in the ACC's cap against the, AC, against the SEC. The other game, the other non-conference game, the Auburn Tigers, that's the team that I kind of want to focus on for just a couple of minutes. When you look at Auburn winning that game 34-24, they end up getting uh, the uh, pick six there at the end to make it a 10-point game. But that game, they trailed all day long. They trailed 24-12 to as late as midway through the fourth quarter. They end up getting the block kick and scoring a touchdown off of that. That got it to 24-18. And then they get the ball back with, oh, around a minute left. And from the first down play from, I think, around the 34, 35-yard line, T.J. Finley, who had replaced Bo Nix, who had been benched by Brian Harson, you know, basically Bo Nix was ineffective again. T.J. Finley throws the ball to the tight end. He dives. And it looked to be a catch around the 10-yard line, but closer look on replay shows that he trapped the ball. Well, they go back and, you know, ESPN commentators uh, come in and they say, well, no, this it's not a catch. And they're talking about, okay, well, what is Auburn going to do on second down from the 34-yard line? You know, you're looking at the, you know, as the camera pans around the, the stadium and shows the crowd, they're looking kind of grim because they – they're seeing it on the jumbotron that he didn't catch the football, <laughs> and all of a sudden, five, six, seven, eight minutes later, after they look, you know, I'm not really sure exactly what took them so long to look at it. They come back and they confirm the call as a catch that you know the referees initially called it a catch. They come back and confirm it. It was obvious it was not a catch. It wasn't even close. So Auburn gets the ball down around the ten yard line, and then of course they score a couple plays later. Then they, like I said, they get to pick six on the ensuing uh, possession by Georgia State, who's out of the Sun Belt, one and two team, by the way. And that's that. It, Auburn wins the game, wins the game, thirty-four twenty-four. They won it by double digits, right? <laughs> but it was a horrible p- performance by this football team, especially coming off, you know, playing a decent game last weekend. Uh, in Pennsylvania, Happy Valley against Penn State, then they come home and just lay an egg. Uh, Bo Nix is benched. T.J. Finley comes in. He looks okay, but he missed some passes himself. I mean, he missed open receivers uh, a couple times from what I could tell, overthrew a couple guys. They may have been able to get some points earlier in the game and maybe would have put the game away before all of that happened, but – uh, he was off. You know, now, in fairness to him, this is a guy that obviously is not being receiving reps in, in practice. I mean, not first-team reps anyway. Um, Bo Nix has received all of them, you would think. So he's rusty probably, probably a little bit, maybe has some nerves going on because it's his first game that he's really played in front 
of uh, the new fans he's uh, here at this new school. He transferred in from LSU. So I get it. You know, I get all of that. So come, you know, here we go Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon. News hits the, uh, Twitter and, and, you know, it's, it's out there strong that Auburn has fired their wide receivers coach. Now, <laughs> now look, I mean, again, the, the wide receivers have not looked good in in a certain way, but we expected that coming into the season. We expected the receiver, the receiver position to be a weakness of this Auburn football team. That was to be expected. They had graduation or, uh, you know, mass exodus of players from their wide receiver core of the last couple of years. Uh, they lost four of them. And so we knew, and they did get Demetrius Robertson, who transferred from Georgia to Auburn, which was a big get. But other than that, we knew that this receiving core was not going to be that good. And and by the way, Demetrius Robertson did not play Saturday against Georgia State. So I'm still a little bit clueless. I'm not understanding why it was necessary to fire Cornelius Williams, who used to be the wide receivers coach for the Auburn Tigers. Now, Brian Harson kind of addressed it in his presser the other day. And he said, look, it was, you know, because there was speculation, like there must be something going on off the field for him to make a move like this. Well, he's, he pretty much came out and said, no, that wasn't the case. So you bench the quarterback and now you you know you've gotten rid of the wide receiver coach. I mean, I don't know, man. And now you're seeing guys like uh, Sammy Coates, who played at Auburn here several years ago, and then uh, as a wide receiver, ended up playing for the Steelers for a couple of years in the, in the NFL. Really good receiver in college, but didn't quite make it in the NFL. Had some injury problems, but he came out and said he's done with the program. And he said it, it was. You know, he came out on Twitter and said that it was totally a, a ridiculous. Um, it was ridiculous to fire the wide receiver coach in the fourth game of the season. So I, I you know, I don't know what to, what to, to make of this thing. I'm not really sure. A lot of Auburn fans feel that it's refreshing that Brian Harson is a guy that basically does what he you know, he he handles his football team the way he wants to handle it which is what you know that's what is supposed to happen okay you're the head coach it is supposed to be your program no question so you know maybe these moves are moves that he feels needed to be made but he hired Cornelius Williams just a few months ago okay he just he just hired him a few months ago so it's not like Cornelius Williams was there under Gus Malzahn. So I'm not really sure what to make of this Auburn thing. I mean, again, maybe this is him showing strength. That this is him, this is Harson getting this, this team together. He's, he's making these moves to make sure that this team, I think he called it the Auburn standard, that they live up to the Auburn standard. Maybe they will after this. I don't know. But it's really strange to get rid of your wide receivers coach and bench your quarterback <laughs> in the same game. I, I'm, I'm not really following that one. So we'll see how it rolls. 
I think T.J. Finley is better for that offense. I just I think T.J. Finley is a better quarterback. Matter of fact, I don't think I know he is. But, but uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, crazy things going on at Auburn. And I tell you what, I mean, if this thing with Sammy Coates, you know, you don't want your alums to be making statements like that on Twitter saying they're done with the program. Or at least done with the program for a while anyway. It's, it's kind of how you – it's kind of how he worded it. Anyway, very interesting stuff to say the least. <laughs> Let's get into the HBCUs for, for this for a little quick minute, man. Really unbelievable game Thursday night. It's kind of, you know, that Thursday night game on ESPNU, is, I guess it's kind of the HBCU game of the week now. Alcorn State, I was looking forward to this one big time, and it did not disappoint. Alcorn State visiting uh, Arkansas Pine Bluff. Two high-octane offenses just went crazy. But it was kind of a tale of two halves. Because, you know, midway through the second, the first half, I, I tweeted out because we've seen – Already seen a lot of struggles from Alcorn State, especially on the offensive end, especially from the quarterback, Felix Harper, that has had so much success in the past, and we just knew he'd have more success going forward. Alcorn State looked a shell of themselves. They were down early in that game. They went down 26-7 at the half. They ended up scoring 32 points in the second half. They outscored Pine Bluff 32-12 to and go on to win the game 39-38. Felix Harper, that same dude I was just talking about that has not looked like himself, he went off 16-32, passing 368 yards, three touchdowns. His, uh, his main weapon, LeCharles Pringle, number 82, this dude has been around, seems like, for <laughs> five, six years. He was a senior this year. Four, he had four receptions. I mean, it, all of his receptions were big, though. Uh, 126 yards, two touchdowns, and Alcorn State looks like they're back. That was a, I mean, that was a wild football game. And that game was on while Carolina and Houston were playing Thursday night football. So probably a lot of you may have missed it, but man, that that it was really good football game. It did not disappoint. That was the game of the week in the HBCUs and the SWAC especially. Yeah, really good football game. You had Grambling State uh, on Saturday losing to Prairie View A&M 24-10. Prairie View's looking pretty good for the most part. Southern uh, was able to beat Mississippi Valley State. Alabama State beat Bethune-Cookman. It's been a bad season for Bethune-Cookman in the state of Alabama. They had already lost to Alabama A&M last week, and now they come up to Montgomery and they lose to Alabama State. Alabama A&M and another, man, Alabama A&M has been playing just shootout after shootout. They beat Tuskegee 45-35. Really a lot of offense there. That's no surprise. You know, A&M's got to get that defense together, but we know how prolific that offense is. Uh, we've talked about that a lot. And, uh, yeah, we got a lot of games, you know, coming up this weekend. But we're going to go and give out my first game ball of the weekend of this past week. 
and that's going to be in the HBCU ranks. And I'm just going to stay in that game, that Thursday night game. Felix Harper, how can I go with him? Uh, dude came back with a vengeance, like I said. Three touchdowns there in the second half, 316 yards. Felix Harper, and he gets my game ball in the HBCU ranks. So that's my HBCU game ball. For my SEC game ball, I'm going back to that game in Arlington, the huge matchup between A&M and Arkansas. I've got to go with a Razorback for this one. This episode is obviously a kind of Razorback theme. So I'm going with Traylon Burks, the wide receiver for the Hogs. Number 16, he pulled down six receptions, 167 yards. He grabbed a touchdown, 85-yard touchdown at that. And uh, he has been their big play guy. uh, They've, you know, they found some guys kind of, you know, kind of unsung that have really made some plays for them. But Traylon Burks is, to me, at the top of the list. So we're going to give Traylon Burks, man, a huge game ball for that huge victory in Arlington against the Texas A&M Aggies. And for the NFL, we're going on to complete my game balls for this episode, week number uh, week number four in college, week number three in the NFL. My week three NFL game ball is going to go to, I'm going to give it to the, the New Orleans Saints defense. And they ended up giving up a touchdown late in that game. Uh, but the Saints, man, you know, this is to me, I, I would say kind of more of a cumulative award for them for the job they've done for the first three weeks. They've had to, uh, they've gotten no help from the Saints offense. Very little anyway. And so I, I just think that, you know, to hold, uh, again, we're talking about Mac Jones or Ricky Q, beyond staying all of that. But they held him in check. They pressured him. I thought they had a really good plan for him. They they kind of, I think, confused him at times. He ended up throwing three picks. One of them wasn't his fault. One of them was a drop that ricocheted in the air and was picked off. But then, of course, he did throw the pick six, and that was Malcolm Jenkins. He ended up taking the ball right down the right sideline and, and taking it into the house. So, yeah, they end up getting points for their football team, and they made Mac Jones look like a rookie. They sacked him. They hit him. They hit him repeatedly in that football game. And uh, so for that, man, I'm going with the New Orleans Saints defense as a whole. I'm going to give them my game ball because, you know, when I really look at things, I kind of looked at all the games involved in the AFC South and NFC South teams. I kind of looked at Sam Darnold for a good while, which would not have been a bad idea, I don't think. But, uh, you know, it was it was the Houston Texans. <laughs> and so I, I, I was like, well, you know, look, I, I think Sam Darnold could be up for it, in the, you know, in, in future games anyway. And I just really like what the Saints have done defensively. And I think, you know, them deferring to their defense is really the right thing to do right now. So, you know, so again, in the HBCU ranks, my game ball goes to Felix Harper, quarterback of the Alcorn State Braves. In the SEC, now, you know, in the SEC, my game ball goes to Traylon Burks, wide receiver of the Arkansas Razorbacks. I could have gone a couple different places in the SEC. Bryce Young ended up completing 90% of his passes the other night. Uh, one guy that I did not mention, <laughs> uh, Jameson Williams, wide receiver for Alabama, ended up with two kickoff returns 
and he ended up with an 80-yard touchdown pass, uh, touchdown reception. So he had over 200 yards total offense, or at least total, you know, total yards anyway. Three touchdowns. He did put the ball on the ground one time, but man, this dude has turned into big time playmaker for Bryce Young and Alabama Crimson Tide. I could have gone that route, but no, I, I stuck with Traylon Burks because that was the big game of the weekend, and that was a big time performance by Traylon Burks for the Arkansas Razorbacks. So he wins my SEC game ball, and in the NFL, I had to go with the Saints defense as a whole. All right, then. So there you have it. We're going to come back. We're going to talk a little bit more NFL. We're going to look ahead to the week, you know, the, you know, the week that we have in front of us. We'll look at some of the uh, SEC matchups as well. We'll throw a few other things in in between a little bit, a little baseball as we get close to playoff time in, in the major leagues. This is ball about the South. It will continue in just a second. So let's get back into it. Ball about the South moves on. Uh, the next segment here, before, well, actually, before I start this next segment, I want to get into um, kind of some some of the content that I'll have for you here in the next couple of weeks. We've got the NBA really starting to get, you know, starting to get going. We had the NBA Media Days the other day. And a lot going on with that, to say the least. Uh, the COVID thing is really... Uh, you know, the vaccines, everybody being vaccinated. I'm hearing reports saying that the league is 90% vaccinated. That's not 100%, of course. So there are several players that, uh, you know, have not done that. And, and, you know, for whatever reason, a couple of those Ky- a couple of those guys, Kyrie Irving, Andrew Wiggins of um, Golden State Warriors, both of those two players, really, you know, two of the more higher-profile players that have not been vaccinated. Uh, we're going to get into a little bit more NBA next week, just to kind of start to kick things off, and then the week after that, I'm going to do two shows. I'm going to do my regular show, but I'll also have an NBA preview show. We'll get in pretty deep into the NBA Southeast Division and Southwest Division. You know, teams like the Hawks and the uh, 
the Pelicans and the Grizzlies and all of that was off some heat. Some uh, uh, Charlotte Hornets, all of that. So we'll, we'll get into that two weeks from now. But next week, we'll kind of just kind of, you know, look into this thing with the, you know, the vaccine. Hopefully we'll have a little bit more clarity on how things are going to go. Because you know, right now, Kyrie Irving is set to uh, only have only be able to play 38 games in this season because you look at the 41 games that he'd be out at home being in Brooklyn and be, with the mandate saying that you have to be vaccinated to be able to work, you know, to be on a job there or whatever. Uh, he was unable to do the the uh, media days because of that. He had to do just a Zoom uh, broadcast or whatever. So he was unable to actually be in attendance at the media days. So he's looked at right now as being only being able to play 38 games, okay, 41 games at home. Then you look at playing the two games against the Knicks in New York in Madison Square Garden. He wouldn't be able to play those two games. And then you look at going to Golden State. Golden State there in San Francisco, the same rules apply. You cannot play. You cannot, you know, work on a job. Basically, I guess any job, as far as I can, as far as I know, I don't know if there are any exemptions. But the NBA is not one of them. If there is, <laughs> okay, the NBA is basically saying that we're going to go in accordance with local uh, mandates, local laws, and all of that. So that would be forty. Uh, 44 games that Kyrie Irving would miss. He'd only be able to play 38 games, and that's not even talking about the playoffs. I mean, how are you going to do <laughs> – how are you going to sit there and, and be available for the playoffs? How are you going to, you know, be a you know a contributing asset to this team and you're not even able to play in any of the home games when you get to the playoffs? So, I, I, you know, hopefully we'll have a little bit more clarity about that next week. We'll kind of get into that a little bit. I'm not one that wants to politicize this show. I really don't. But, you know, I, I'm not really understanding why Kyrie won't just go ahead and just go ahead and do it. I mean, he's, you know, we're talking about guys that have done, you know, things with their bodies, you know, for, from an athletic standpoint to whether it be due to um, – to heal from an injury or to to enhance themselves or whatever. I'm not you know, I'm not saying he's doing anything illegal or anything like that. I mean don't get it twisted, but I mean, come on, dude. I mean, you know, you you we're trusting the science on the on things like that, but we're not trusting the science on a vaccine. Which right now, for the most part, I mean, yeah, sure, there's some people having issues with it, I'm sure. I'm not saying it's perfect, but I don't know, man. It, it, it's not been, there's nothing widespread about, you know, uh, on a negative side or in this, you know, uh, widespread side effects that I've heard of with the vaccine. So I'm just not really understanding why Kyrie just won't go ahead and do it. But again, that's his, that is his choice. And, you know, we're not trying to sit there and tell him what to do. And that's one thing you're not going to do with Kyrie Irving. You're not going to tell him what to do, and you have to respect that. Uh, this is a guy that, you know, he's made a lot of money. And, I mean, I, I just don't think it would be a real big deal if he said, you know what, I'm okay, well, I'm not going to get vaccinated. I'm, you know, and obviously the Brooklyn Nets would be 
pushed against the wall at that point. I mean, what do you do? I mean, you're not going to have your your main one of your main three players for the better part of the season. I mean, how in the world can you sit there and and, and keep him on the team? So, at that point, you know, Kyrie to me, basketball is you know you, he plays the game very well. Obviously, he's one of the best players there is. He plays very hard when he's you know when he's dialed in, but. To be honest with you, I, I don't really think basketball is the highest priority to Kyrie Irving when it comes to um, things that he feels is the right thing to do. And we've seen that in the past. So we'll see how it works out. Like I say, hopefully we'll, have, hopefully we'll have a little bit more clarity on that next week. But again, like I said, two weeks from now, we'll do two shows. We'll do an NBA preview show. We get, you know, we start getting really deep into this thing and, and get to, um, you know, uh, look at uh, you know some of the new players, and you know to start really getting into you know what some of the teams can look like. Can the Atlanta Hawks, you know, can they get back to the Eastern Conference Finals and things like things of that nature? And uh, we'll we'll kind of break that down a little bit for you then, as we get closer to tip off. Uh, before and also again. In, in addition to the NBA, we'll have to be looking at the, the Major League Baseball. Uh, the Braves right now are one game away. Their magic number is one in locking up the NL East. Uh, they're playing the Philadelphia Phillies right now. They won 5-2 uh, to two last night. The Braves looking really good. They've won nine of their last 11 games. One of the hottest teams going right now. Um uh, We'll see how this thing works out. I'm not really sure who they're obviously not sure who they're going to play next week. Uh, uh, should be starting next week, I guess around Tuesday or Wednesday or somewhere in there. The playoffs will begin. I'm sure those those will be the two wild card games, and then after that, probably late in the week, we'll be looking at the uh, actual playoffs starting. So hopefully, before that, we'll be able to uh, we, when we do our show next week, we'll be able to really. Uh, get you know kind of dive deep into that first round series whoever the Braves are matched up against and the same thing for the Tampa Bay Rays as they have locked up the American League East and they're now looking you know at locking up home field advantage throughout the playoffs so that's you know that's what they're working on right now the Rays are looking good as well uh, they've you know kind of slowed down a little bit in, in uh, September though they, they have uh you know, kind of not playing their best ball right now, and I, I I don't know if that's a bad thing though. I look at a team like now, my favorite team in baseball is the St. Louis Cardinals, and what a crazy run I've been witnessing with this foot with this baseball team. And I, you know, I I thought we were done back in the what June, you know, even into July, maybe even August. I thought this team was done, and all of a sudden here we go. And they have just, you know, they went 17 in a row. They finally lost the game last night, but they have uh, clinched the second wild card spot in the in the National League. Uh, obviously, it's probably going to be obviously it's going to be either the Giants or the Dodgers that they'll play to <laughs> to get into actually get into the playoffs next week. So that's going to be a challenge to say the least. But for this team to do that, just to get to the playoffs from where they were. You know, just a couple months ago is is a magnificent feat. So you know, again, we'll see how that thing goes. The Braves 
the Rays. We'll definitely dive into it as much as we possibly can here next week. And, uh, of course, like I said, we'll talk about some NBA as we get closer to the season tipping off in just a few weeks, man. And I really can't wait to see some of the rookies and everything with the you know as we get closer to tip off i think it's going to be a really good season i think there are a lot of teams that you know everybody's kind of making this thing seem like a lakers brooklyn thing but i think there are several teams that could crash that party and we'll talk about that here in the next couple weeks all right let's get back into the nfl you know um look at a couple of games from the past weekend and let's look ahead to the action that we're going to have this coming weekend the biggest game I think on the schedule last weekend was the Rams hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady making his first trip to L.A. to actually play a football game. I guess he's been to L.A. to visit, I would assume. I don't know. <laughs> but this was the game. This was the first time he was able to play a game in L.A. And uh, obviously things didn't go too well. And, not, you know, that was pretty much expected. I thought with the Rams, you know, Matthew Stafford is, you know, is is really playing well. I thought with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the situation with their secondary, the injuries that they've had and all of that, I thought Stafford would really have a big game, and that's exactly what happened. You saw not only Matthew Stafford, but how about the presence of Deshaun Jackson to add to that list? I mean, you're talking about Cooper Cup, Robert Woods on the outside, and now you add Deshaun Jackson to that lineup. <laughs> I mean that. I mean, Tampa Bay had no answer for that. Uh, the Rams probably could have scored fifty the other day, to be perfectly honest with you. But uh, they end up winning that game, going away thirty-four twenty-four. I thought they easily could have scored fifty. I think Sean McVay kind of let let his foot off the gas pedal there in the fourth quarter a little bit. Uh, the the Bucks get a late touchdown to make it look a little bit more respectable and everything, but uh, you know again we know look we know the Buccaneers are going to be ready as long as the, you know the injury bug doesn't hit them. We know that they're going to be ready for the playoffs. I think these are the two best teams in the NFC. There are a lot of really good football teams in the NFC. Let's just be real about it. But to me, these are the two best ones, and. Uh, I can't wait to see another another meeting between these two, which I, I really think is going to happen in the NFC Championship game, some kind of way. You know, but Tampa Bay, you know, has got to get that secondary straight, and they do have some help on the way. How about that? Richard Sherman has signed on, and I'm not sure if he'll be ready this Sunday. Is you know, is a, which is obviously another pretty big game. You talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, going into New England, going to Foxborough, Tom Brady's old stomping grounds to play the Patriots. That is going to be, of course, the Sunday night football game. That is going to be crazy, okay, to see Tom Brady go back in front of that crowd. Uh, I don't, I'm not really sure what to expect from him emotionally and all of that. I'm not really sure how he's going to, you know, grasp that whole thing when he comes out of that, that uh, the tunnel, out of the locker room and everything, but... It's going to be a really good, I think, a good scene. Um, so, yeah, Tampa Bay obviously is going to be a main threat to get back to the Super Bowl. But the Rams show that they, right now, I think, 
I think they show pretty much why they are the best team in football right now. That's just my estimation. Uh, we'll see how that thing goes. But with that matchup this coming Sunday, obviously that means Mac Jones will be the guy going up against Tom Brady. How about that? Mac Jones coming off a game where he struggled for the first time. He looked like a rookie. And it was all because of the Saints defense. The New Orleans Saints, we looked, we always look at them as being, you know, offense first. Obviously, Sean Payton is a more of an offensive coach. We've known him that for several years now. But that defense right now is carrying that football team. Uh, they are absolutely carrying them. Uh, Jameis Winston did not have a bad game Sunday. He did okay. 13 of 21, 128 yards passing, two touchdowns. 128 yards, though. Let's get back on that. 128 yards. This is the second win of the season for the Saints, but this is the second. Uh, in those two wins, Jameis Winston doesn't have 300 yards passing combined. He has seven touchdowns. <laughs> He has seven touchdowns in those two games, five in that first game against Green Bay. But he does not have 300 yards passing combined in those two wins. That's, you know, pretty remarkable. But uh, it doesn't matter. They get the win. Uh, His QB rating was 110, which is really good, of course. So, uh, obviously, James looked a lot better than he did Last week against Carolina, where he had a couple bad interceptions and everything, Alvin Kamara actually found the end zone finally. Uh, it was on a, uh, it was it was in the air. It wasn't on uh, on the ground. He had 24 rushes, 89 yards on the ground, only three receptions on four targets in the passing game. But I think right now what you're seeing is the Saints are kind of just relying on that that defense. They're running the football. And uh, just kind of, you know, just really playing through the defense, which is obviously not what we expected, to be honest. Even though, yes, Drew Brees is gone and we knew it would be a transition with Jameis Winston taking over. And then, of course, there's no Michael Thomas right now. We knew that would be something they would have to get over. We'd have to see how that would roll. But to see them uh, play through the defense like this is really surprising. Let's just be real about it. So, but hey, so yeah, they're two and one. So that's basically the, uh, they're still they're in the thick of things in the South, the NFC South. That is, the Panthers leading the way at three and zero, and the Bucks and the Saints coming up with, uh, right behind them at two and one. So, whatever works for you, and I think that is going to be the formula going forward. Shouldn't have to worry about too much offense this coming Sunday. That's for sure. As Daniel Jones and the New York Giants come to town, it is the first game back in the dome. That is a good thing for the Saints. I'm really happy to, that they were able to make it back, and uh, you know, you know, the Superdome is going to be rocking Sunday afternoon. This is the first time that they're really uh, going to have a chance to have a full house again. And uh, there at the Superdome, you have to be vaccinated or show proof that you. Uh, had a negative test, uh, I think, what, two, three days prior or whatever. So we'll see if they have a full house. I'm pretty sure they will, though, some kind of way. That should be a uh, really uh, exciting atmosphere there. Uh, looking at really, I think, the biggest game of the weekend 
Um, you know, with teams in the AFC and the NFC South, for me, it's the Panthers at the Cowboys. That was a 12 o'clock game. Panthers, again, coming in 3-0. and And not really sure what to expect from them without Christian McCaffrey. Without Christian McCaffrey, I'm trying to say that correctly. <laughs> um, McCaffrey then going out with that hamstring early in the game against the Texans last week. They went to Chuba Hubbard, uh, their rookie running back. Um, you know, he not a whole lot going on, to be quite honest with you. He did have uh, 11 rushes, 52 yards, which is, you know, which is uh, definitely not bad at all considering. McCaffrey did play part of that game and everything. That's going to be interesting to see how they are able to go up against the Dallas Cowboys, who, again, we talked about they'll be, you know, just being really, you know, just a few seconds away from being 3-0. and The Cowboys getting a huge win on Monday night against the Eagles. Yeah, it's going to, you know, for the Panthers to stay undefeated, and this game is at Dallas. It's going to take a lot. But the thing about it right now is you're sitting there looking at Sam Darnold. I think he is the story of this football team. While the defense right now is ranked number one in, in you know uh, in a lot of categories, they're, they're the top defense in the NFL right now. Sam Darnold, to me, is the story about this football team because you're looking at the Jets who gave up on him. And now they're struggling with their own rookie quarterback, Zach Wilson, is throwing the ball everywhere where it needs to be thrown, <laughs> for the most part anyway. Like I say, he did have a few good points there in that game against Denver, but right now it is looking like absolutely the wrong decision. Sam Darnold, again, I mean, look, I don't know why people – came down on him so hard when you're looking at a team like the Jets you know, a team that has offensive line problems, there are not many weapons around him of course and we expect this guy to just be Tom Brady straight out of the gate you know, when, you know and I know about the US the, you know, the USC Trojan thing the, you know, it seems like it's been a curse for uh, USC Trojan quarterbacks that have come in the NFL, Matt Leinart and and I guess really Carson Palmer, I guess, was maybe more one of the more um, uh, uh, successful ones. Mark Sanchez obviously had his huge problems, the butt fumble and all of that. So um, to see this guy come along and, you know, I think a lot of people kind of started make some assumptions. But for wh- why they didn't assume that maybe this guy wasn't the issue and maybe – Everything around him in New York was the issue. It's beyond me right now, and, and now he is proving it. He's this guy. He's looking at. Uh, he, he he has three touchdowns on the season. Not I mean, not stats that just jump out at you necessarily, but he's throwing the ball sixty-eight point two percent completion percentage right now. Average of a ninety-nine QBR. This dude is getting it done, and he is showing for sure. That it wasn't him in New York. <laughs> and right now, the Carolina Panthers are the beneficiaries of that. Uh, this is a really great move to bring him in. And, and Sam Darnold could be the difference of this team. You know, again, this going to really be contingent on the health of, of CMC. You know, Christian McCaffrey obviously is the, you know, the main cog in this football team. He has got to be uh, – 
in the backfield. He just changes the whole dynamic of this football team. But if, if Sam Darnold can continue this, the Carolina Panthers are going to be a player. They're going to be a team to deal with. They're going to have something to say. I think about, you know, especially, you know, maybe wild cards. And who knows, maybe they could have something to say about who wins the NFC South. So, you know, a long way to go, of course. You know, and look, we talked before in my uh, preview, of the, you know, my NFL preview, we talked about the NFC South. I thought the Carolina Panthers could be a surprise team. I like what I see. You know, you look at uh, DJ Moore on the outside. You look at Robbie Anderson. I think those are two guys that can uh, that are very solid. They can uh, give nightmares to any secondary. Then you look at Terrace Marshall, Terrace Marshall out of LSU, the rookie. Uh, this guy, I think he's coming along pretty good. So you know they've got weapons. McCaffrey obviously is the key to that thing. And if that defense continues to play the way they do, the way they've played so far, we'll see what they do with Dak Prescott. Their Cowboys offense is clicking right now. They have that two-back system right now with uh, with Zeke and Pollard. And then you look at, you know, the wide receivers, Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb. I mean, this team is looking good. The Cowboys really are. You have to give it to them right now. So it's going to take a really good effort for Carolina to pull that thing off. That Again, that is a 12 o'clock kick their Sunday afternoon in Dallas. That, to me, is the biggest matchup of, of the teams involving the NFC and AFC South. Again, I talked about the Titans, and I want to clean up something that I said earlier. I said that A.J. Brown did not play in that game this past Sunday. That I lied to y'all on that one. He played. He, he just he went out really early. Okay, He had the uh, hamstring injury, so uh, my apologies on that, but so, you know, I guess maybe I was thinking ahead that he's not going to be available this weekend. And uh, like I say, it shouldn't matter. It should not matter going to play at New York. The, the other team in New York, the Jets, struggling just as much as the Giants are. That should be, you know, some way. You know, the Titans should be able to finish. You know, find a way to uh, pull that game out. Uh, you look at the, the Falcons, who are one and two now after that victory against the Giants this past Sunday. They host. WFT, I love seeing that. I love seeing WFT, the Washington football team. That could be an interesting game. That goes down at 12 o'clock noon as well. Again, we talked about the Patriots and the Bucks. That's the Sunday night game. Should be very interesting. The Colts. The Colts going to Miami. What happens in that football game? The Colts, you know, the uh, 0-3 right now. The Dolphins coming off a game where obviously Tua Tungvaloa was was not present. He he was unable to play, and he's probably going to be out at least three weeks that they're thinking he is on the IR now. So uh, Jacoby Brissett almost pulled that game out for the Dolphins against the Raiders last Sunday. You wonder what, you know, could can he do that again against the Colts? Uh, they will host the Colts. There in Miami, and that should be an interesting game. The Colts obviously have to have that football game. There's no way they can go 0-4 and, and think about uh, going to the playoffs or anything like that. Again, we'll see what the status of Carson Wentz is. Uh, we'll see how he, uh, you know, hopefully he'll be able to continue to you know, come back from his injuries and uh, 
look a little bit better. He's been hit 28 times. That's a stat that I saw the other day. 28 times that he's been hit so far this season. That's not going to help you come back from any injury. <laughs> so, you know, Colts have some issues going on. Uh, you got the Houston Texans playing at the Bills. You would ex- definitely would expect the Buffalo Bills to win that football game. And then the Thursday night game, the Jaguars and the Bengals, the battle of the two uh, top, you know, the last two number one quarterbacks, number one uh, picks in the draft. Uh, Joe Burrow of the 2-1 and one Cincinnati Bengals. How about that? Uh, the Bengals going to Pittsburgh and winning that game by double digits, no less. The Steelers looking pretty rough right now, you know, wondering about the future of Ben Roethlisberger there. That's going to be interesting to know, you know, absolutely. And then you look at uh, the Jag, uh, the Jaguars, Trevor Lawrence, not looking good. That game got away from them in the second half against the Arizona Cardinals last week. Um, you know, that is a Thursday night game. I'm looking forward to it just from that standpoint, okay? Other than that, I mean, to be honest with you, I, if it wasn't the Burrow and Trevor Lawrence effect, I, the, I really wouldn't have much for this football game. I'm just going to be real about it, but that storyline is is enough for me to tune in. Of course, I will be tuning in to the HBCU game that um, on Thursday night as well, though. So, you know, kind of, you know, flipping back and forth with the remote. But I'm, I'm, you know, I'm kind of looking forward to that matchup, the two last number one overall picks in the NFL draft. At any rate, so, yeah, should be a really good weekend of uh, NFL football. I think probably, the, you know, if you look nationally, away from the NFC and AFC South, the biggest game for me on the board, Arizona Cardinals traveling to the Rams. That would be a a 3 o'clock start. And when I say 3 o'clock, you know, any time that I pretty much say I'm here, Central Time, I live here in Birmingham, so we're Central Time. So if you're in the East, it's going to (laughs) be, it'll be 4 o'clock. But, man, yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. Kyler Murray. Matthew Stafford, I think those two guys are the two top MVP candidates right now. I have to give it to Matthew Stafford. I, I would assume that he would probably win it just because of the fact that he beat Tom Brady. You know how that goes, <laughs> okay? So, yeah, it, it doesn't matter. I'm really looking forward to that matchup. I think that is the game of the week in the NFL. At any rate, we're going to take another quick break. We're going to come back and finish things up. We'll take a look, another quick look at uh, the SEC matchups coming up this weekend and um, maybe give a couple predictions. Alabama Ole Miss, Auburn LSU, Georgia hosting Arkansas, all those games. We'll just give a little quick um, few minutes on those, and we'll be right back about the South. A ball about the South continues. Thank you. 
All right, y'all. We're going to go ahead and wrap this thing up with these three matchups, really four matchups, like I said, here in the SEC. We're just going to, you know, I'm going to kind of just say who I think is going to win, get my predictions. Um, first game of the day in the SEC, man, you know, Georgia hosting the Arkansas Razorbacks. We have talked about the Razorbacks. Again, this episode is titled Razorbacks on the Rise, and, they were, and for good reason. I mean, they are they're the number eight team in the country. They hadn't been ranked in five seasons coming into this season, and now they're all the way up to number eight. Um, playing the Georgia Bulldogs, right now, as I look at it, the dogs are 18-and-a-half-point favorite. Um, you know, if you don't follow me on Twitter, uh, please do, at Seawood on Sports. I give my I have not gotten into college, you know, picking against the spread this season. I have not done that. I've pretty much focused on the NFL with that side of things. Um, but last, I've gone nine and six in each of the, <laughs> nine and six in each of the three weeks of the NFL. But I've gone a total of ten and uh, let's see, let me get it right, ten and eight as far as my picks against the spread. Now my nine, the nine and six are the, just basically the the 15 games, the Sunday games, and the Monday night games, a combination of those. Okay, so the in the games I've picked, in those three weeks I've picked six games against the spread, and I have gone 10 and 8, which, again, I only went 2 and 4 last week, which was, you know, kind of uh, pretty pretty terrible, no question about that. But I had gone 4 and 2 the weeks prior to that, and the thing that I really prided myself on is picking – to the uh, road underdogs, you know, and not necessarily to, to win the game, but just to cover the spread. And I won the the, the first four, the, uh, the two the first week, the two in, the, in week two. I hit both of those, and then I hit one. I uh, was one out of two in the last week. So I've I've gone five and one in my road underdogs in the NFLs. I haven't quite gotten into doing that in college yet. I'm thinking about going ahead and doing it, but. Yeah, if you want to, you know, want my advice, <laughs> just follow me on at Seawood on Sports on Twitter. I've done pretty good with those, in my opinion. But at any rate, eighteen and a half is a lot of points, in my opinion, for the for the dogs. I think this game. I don't see this game being that high scoring. I like the Arkansas Razorbacks defense really to kind of you know come in and and uh, keep that game. Closer than eighteen and a half. I, I think Georgia, you know, definitely wins the game. I can see them winning it somewhere around twenty-seven, seventeen, something like that. Uh, you know, twenty-four, fourteen. Maybe Georgia gets to thirty and they get to the thirty, seventeen. I can't see them winning it by you know getting up three touchdowns. I'm not really seeing that. I do think the Georgia Bulldogs do win the game and they go five and zero. Oh. We'll see what happens, though, man. This Razorback team, uh, they are not going to sit there and just lay dead between the hedges. That is going to be a good football game, I do believe. Uh, looking at Florida and Kentucky, the Gators come in 3-1 and one that lost that two-point loss, the heartbreaker to Alabama last weekend, two weekends ago, rather. And they go into Lexington to play the 4-0 Kentucky Wildcats. Man, the Wildcats have not beaten them, and they've only beaten them once in 26 tries. That is just the last 26 times. 
I think it's going to be once in the last 27. I, I really, I think Kentucky, this is the best shot they've had. One of the better shots that they've had. You look at Florida, um, obviously they're a younger team right now. They're you know, missing a lot of their weapons from last season's team that went to the SEC title game. I'm just not, you know, again, Kentucky, for me, just has not looked apart the last two weeks. Now, this it could be that they're look, kind of looking ahead to things. Maybe that's what it is, but I don't know. Something's telling me that Florida comes in and gets that victory right now. The Gators are eight and a half point favorite. I don't know about that. I think it could be a lot closer game. I think it's going to be a tight football game uh, decided there. Maybe last possession of the game there in Lexington. I want to take the Gators to win the football game in a tight one, a really tight one. Uh, one game I did not look at in the, earlier in the in the broadcast. Mississippi State at Texas A&M. That is an interesting football game. I mean, it's interesting if Mississippi State can get their offense going. I don't think they can against A&M. They were able to, you know, obviously uh, LSU kind of took their foot off the gas pedal and they and, and LSU kind of let them back in the game, which was kind of made that game really crazy over the, over the last weekend. But, Going to Texas A&M, I think A&M is going to be ready. I, like I said, we, we've talked about A&M offensively. We've talked about them defensively. Defensively, they are legit right now. Offensively, is that is the issue with this football team. So I'm going to go with A&M. But, again, it's, it's going to be another tight game. Right now, A&M is a seven-point favorite. I think that's probably about right. I, you know, I look at it probably being 24 17, somewhere in that range, 20 to 13. Again, this is another game. I think 20 points might win the football game for Texas A&M. I just don't think Mississippi State's going to be able to move the ball as well as they did in the second half against LSU. I think Texas A&M finds a way to win that game. Auburn at LSU, uh, I really don't know what to expect in this football game. I, I just don't. I think T.J. Finley is the best option for Auburn at the quarterback. We've talked about that earlier in this episode. LSU, we've seen uh, they looked really good defensively last week again, like I said, for three quarters. But again, in the fourth quarter, they just kind of lost track of things. Offensively, they're still, you know, they're, they're okay. I mean, there's nothing besides – the wide receiver, Boutte, who has eight touchdowns, who's trying to put his name into the Heisman hat. Um, I, I just don't see enough from this football team, man. So it would not surprise me if Auburn went in, to went, went in and won that football game. It really wouldn't. But I'm, I'm going to pick LSU in a close one, I think, maybe 24-20. And again, I, I don't see a lot of points being scored in this game. I really don't. And I think it's going to be a good game. It's going to be tight. And I'm going to say that uh, LSU will find a way to pull it out and uh, go to four and one. Both those teams sitting three and one. Obviously, crucial game for both teams. And in my estimation, the game of the day, at least you know, at least for the marquee, it may not end up being the game of the day for, but you know, the the prime time matchup as we look at it right now. Ole Miss at Alabama, and now we, you know, I'm seeing here on ESPN, and I'm looking on Twitter uh, that 
Mike Wilbon has had words to say about Lane Kiffin, and then Lane Kiffin is kind of, you know, he's kind of taking the high road and not really come back at him or anything. Mike Wilbon saying that Lane Kiffin is a clown and he's been an embarrassment everywhere he's been. I'm not really understanding where Wilbon's coming with that one. I, I've no, I'm normally a Wilbon guy. I normally don't like much of the you know, all the talk shows on ESPN, it's just not my thing. I mean, Stephen A. and them in the morning is okay sometimes if I can catch it, but that's about it, to be perfectly honest with you. I'm not really, I'm not, you know, I don't really watch them that much either. I'm pretty much, if I'm watching ESPN, it is to watch a game or I'm watching maybe Sports Center late at night when there's nothing else on or something like that. Uh, so, and that's, this is kind of the reason why. Because, you know, if Wilbon is saying that that Lane Kiffin is a, an embarrassment or he's been an embarrassment everywhere he's been, then obviously he has not been paying attention because there was nothing embarrassing about Lane Kiffin's stay in Tuscaloosa. I mean, you know, Nick Saban took a chance on him, brought him in, and... You know, actually, Lane Kiffin has done more good for this this program than than just about any anybody else, or or as much good because he changed the landscape. He changed the way this team plays offense, and that has opened the door for them to be able to recruit even better than they already were. They were getting the receivers. They had the Julio Jones, and they had Amari Cooper, and they had a couple other guys before that, but they were unable to get the quarterbacks. Having Lane Kiffin in Tuscaloosa, you know, Nick Saban bringing him in as an offensive analyst and then making him, uh, giving him the permanent position as the offensive coordinator opened the door for Jalen Hurts to come in. That opened the door, especially for Tua Tonga Valoa to be, you know, to be interested in Alabama. And it, ultimately, it's opened the door you know, uh, of course, with the help of, you know, offensive coordinators like Steve Sarkeesian for a guy, you know, to bring a guy like Bryce Young in. Without Lane Kiffin, Tua Tonga-Vailoa more than likely does not come to the University of Alabama. Okay, let's just be real about it. Okay? He probably goes to USC or somewhere like that. Same thing for Bryce Young. So... And then Lane Kiffin goes to Florida Atlantic. He's successful there. I mean, you know, successful on those terms. And, you know, not a t- championship or anything like that, but successful. And then he, uh, I think he won nine games in that season that he was there at Florida Atlantic. I think it was there two seasons. I think one, one of those seasons I have not really looked back. But if I'm not mistaken, he won nine games. So that, to me, is not an embarrassment. So I'm not really understanding where – Wilbon is coming from with that one. But again, that is one of the reasons that I don't really do the ESPN talk shows. I'm not big on them because I don't think there's a they don't give the due respect to college football or there's kind of a, you know, an ignorance towards college football, you know, kind of across the board in my opinion. Uh, And it's just something that they kind of do because well, there are a lot of people that watch it. <laughs> it's not anything that they really want to do. You don't see uh, that was kind of one of the things that I liked about Colin Cowherd being on ESPN. This guy, you know, he has some outrageous, you know, predictions and 
takes on certain things in sports and everything, but that dude, I thought, really legitimately liked college football. You don't see a lot of the national guys that really like college football. And so, and that's kind of telling me that Wilbon's kind of the same way. I don't know. Again, I'm not trying to, you know, go too much into that, but that's really curious statement to call Lane Kiffin a clown right now and say he's an embarrassment. Now, you might could have said those things a few years ago, but I don't think you really can say that now. So, at any rate, getting into this football game, though, you know, Alabama, we've known about the offensive uh, – I'm sorry, the defensive problems they had against Florida. We know about Matt Corral. This, This offense has been rocking and rolling. They scored 61 points in their last outing against Tulane. And, you know, that was a game where pretty much Lane Kiffin called off the dogs in the second half. <laughs> uh, yeah, this game is going to be crazy. Bryce Young is really showing to be exactly the quarterback everyone thought that he would be. He's not shown the um, the willingness to, you know, to run the football. He is a guy that when he scrambles, he is scrambling to make a play downfield with, with his arm which is a good thing. In a lot of ways, it's a good thing. Sometimes it's not a good thing. Like when they were on the goal line there, they ended up having to settle for a field goal in that last drive against Florida when he could have probably walked into the end zone. He decided to try to throw it. They ended up having to settle for a field goal. Sometimes he's going to have to run it. But you do like the fact that he's just not, okay, I'm I'm just a running quarterback. And No, he is trying to be a complete quarterback and he is doing a hell of a job with that he's completed over 90 percent of his passes in the win over uh, against southern miss this past weekend this dude is just doing it and, and you see some of the reads that he makes downfield and he's going through his progressions really well you, you just have to love it if you're an alabama fan if you're not you're not an alabama fan you may not like it <laughs> okay i'm just gonna be real about it but this dude is doing the job I just think when it comes down to it, man, I, I think this Alabama defense is going to find a way to play a little bit better Saturday. Ole Miss is going to score, okay? And I think they more than likely will probably get to 30, but I think oh, I think Alabama will find a way. I'm thinking the score of around, <laughs> I don't know, man. It's uh, 41-30. Uh, 38-27 would be a kind of a low bar score in that game, I think. You know, 45, 40. I mean, it would not surprise me if, it, if both teams got into the 40s, obviously. I just think Alabama being at home would find a way to win that football game. I think they, uh, the second half against Florida is going to do them a lot of good. I think, you know, they let almost let that, that lead slip away. And I think that you're going to see this team be a little bit more focused. And they'll, I think they'll take care of business against the Ole Miss Rebels. One thing is for sure, we will be right back here next week. We'll talk about all of these games. Again, we'll get into uh, you know all, all these games, are huge games in the SEC. This is a huge weekend. The, uh, I can't wait for it. I can't even, cannot understate that. We'll talk about the week that it's going to be, week four in the NFL. We'll come back and talk about that. And, again, like I said, we'll get into – we'll know some matchups and all of that 
in the MLB playoffs. I'm looking forward to that. The Braves and the Rays trying to do their thing and get to the World Series and maybe win a World Championship. Anyway, it has been fun as usual. Yeah, this this fifth episode is probably a little bit longer than I wanted it to be, but you know, hey, I, I hope that you uh, were entertained, hanging in with me. If if you hung in with me this long, man, I really appreciate it. I cannot tell you how much I really do. At any rate, follow me on, on Twitter at C Wood on Sports, Twitter and IG, and uh, look out for me. Look out for the the podcast on. Just pretty much anywhere you listen to them, Apple Podcasts, Google, Amazon, Spreaker. It's just about, you know, it's about anywhere you can listen to a podcast, you can listen to Ball About the South. Again, I want to thank you for hanging in with me. I'm Kerry Wood at C. Wood on sports, and I am out until next time. <laughs>